Welcome everyone to MVP Talks, brought to you in partnerships with our good friends here at Speak Studios. I'm your host, Mark Rippon, and sitting across from me is a good friend and uh, someone here, local guy in town, Michael Chiesa. And uh, how the heck you doing, Mike? Doing good, Mark. You know, we were talking about this earlier, but for the people that don't know, I met Mark Rippon when I was <laughs> probably about eight years old at Assumption, and we went to do the Peace Be With You, and I shook the person's hand. I'll never forget this. I shook the person's hand on my left, and I turned to my right. I saw a belt buckle. I just saw a belt, and I'm like, look up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Mark Rippon. So <laughs> life come, life always comes full circle. You know? Exactly. It's, For everyone, that was the last time I've probably been in some parish. <laughs> probably my I too. need to go back. My mom, yeah, I mean, I, my mom, you know, would, would be is looking down on me and thinking, yeah, that'd probably be a good idea, son. Get, get your ass back in church again. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about you, and that's what we're here for today. And um, Michael Chiesa, the Maverick, is a welterweight UFC fighter from Spokane, Washington. Probably the second most famous Shadle Park athlete, first being my nephew Brett, and second being you. And so, um, Maverick, tell me about Maverick. How'd you get your nickname? Uh, it kind of came about. Well, first of all, Mark, you're Super Bowl MVP, man. You're you're there's for, there's there's first and second place, and then you're the champion at the top. You know? So you got the C next to your name, then it's Brett, then it's me. But uh, um, you know, when I started, before I started training, I worked at this fencing company, and my foreman, Drew Patron, I'm still very close with him. He was the guy I would vent to about like I want to start this fighting thing, and we both watched the fights, and that's kind of like what we talked about a lot at work, and. Uh, we had this funny conversation one day while we're working. We're like, what would our fighter nicknames be? And so we started making up all these funny nicknames. And I don't know if it was me or him that something about the fact I liked the movie Top Gun so much came up. And so that's kind of where it came from. And, and was, was he like, the goose? He No, I was the Maverick, though. So he kind of gave me the name. He's like, oh, Michael Maverick. He's making fun of me. And then... Uh, as time goes on, I ended up taking my first amateur fight, and he was one of the only people that came. And because I wasn't a tough guy growing up, I, so not a lot of people showed up to watch me fight. They're like, "Ooh, bad <laughs> idea." <laughs> but he showed up, and I won. And he like walked up to the ring, and he started slapping the mat. He was in a little boxing yeah, ring, and he's yeah. like, "Michael Maverick, yes." I just start kept saying it, and it just kind of stuck. So it's it's cool, and that, it's funny. It fits me because once once he stuck me with it, Drew. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I liked it. You know, started to kind of look it up, and it has a good meaning that kind of suits me. It's like a maverick is somebody that exhibits independence in their oh, actions yeah. and their thoughts. Thing yeah, too. I like that. Somebody that just kind of goes to the beat of their own drum, and I kind of go to the beat of my own drum. So I think it fits me well. It's like gorgeous George, you know. I mean, that's, <laughs> if you're a, if you're if you're a wrestler, that might sound good. You what know, would your nickname be, Mark? Rip. Just <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you go. Letter, yeah. letter rip, you know. That yeah, letter so, rip, yeah, so it's, it's kind of big, big rip because in there I had some other two little rips below me, my brothers, that uh, much tougher than me, by the way. By the way, you were definitely the toughest guy, I think, that's ever been uh, a Shadle Park Highlander. And just um, let's talk first about your, your first professional MMA uh, debut. You won by submission in the second round mm -hmm. against uh, a guy by the name of Sharon Spain yeah. back in August of 2008. Yeah, that was... Um it was just one of those things where <laughs> this is this is actually a good story. I got a lot of stories. So, I want to hear them all. So this fight because I I love submissions. I'm your naked joke old is probably my, <laughs> my my favorite thing to 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 dial up to the guys that I'm gonna. Hey, you better not mess with me because I'm gonna get you in a rear naked joke hey, old it's and, it's and I might be naked. So it's highly effective. It's highly effective. <laughs> uh, so I took this fight. It was in Lewiston, Idaho, at Clearwater Casino, and. Um, 
this was it. Frank Arnett's show, and may he rest in peace. Frank Arnett is the father of one of my teammates, and he they're they're, they're down in Lewiston, but awesome guy, and he puts on these shows at Clearwater Casino, and I showed up. I had no idea who I was fighting. I just kind of, like, walked in, and I, I had an opponent. I don't remember his name, and he fell off, and so Frank was like, well, there's it was me, Sharon Spain, and this kid, Bryce Beeler, and he goes, all right, well, one of you guys is going to fight, so figure it out. So the three of us just stood there were like... <laughs> So who's going to fight who? And I was like, fuck it, I'll fight whoever. Just like, I, I drove all the way down here. Yeah, two man, hours. Get, let's get it on. Yeah, so it ended up being me and Sean, and he kicked me in my face really hard that fight. I, I did not have, uh, my stand-up's been a slow progression, and sure. I kept rushing for takedowns, and he timed one, and he threw this kick as I was, like, really down low in the shin. Hit me across my face, and I ended up having like a diagonal bruise where it was like a line on my forehead, and then I had like a line on my cheek and like a dot on my nose, but you could tell that I got hit. Oh, nice. Is that one one of the ones we were talking about in, in the room here, where you kind of feel it and you know that that's that was it, my first time being rocked. That being was rocked, my first yep. time getting you know flashed. It's sure. like you just yeah you, you it's like you see it coming and then it's like you see it coming and then you end up somewhere and it's the in between part, you know. So that was my first time I got stung real good. Got definitely got buzzed yeah, from that one. Woke you up <laughs> and you came out the second round and said, "Let's." What, what was what was the submission you put him in? I got him in. I triangle i think it was a triangle yeah but i remember after i actually ended up getting the takedown through the kick ate the kick got the takedown ground and pounded him he turned over i think it was a triangle but yeah it was one of those wild west ones down in lewiston you know it's we i fought in some interesting places before yeah got, i fought in barns i fought in out in fields i fought in smoky little clubs i've just eaten, just everywhere you name it wherever there was a fight you go take it you know yeah. so it was it was a fun journey i, li I like going out to coeur casino and then the northern quest you know where they had some cage events there and I, I don't know if they probably were mma i don't think they were ufc fights um i'm, I'm guessing no no there was a local we we actually my coach is the promoter at the quest show oh okay. and you would have tickets anytime you're you're oh i love yeah it. I love yeah you call me there. any if there's ever there's a show in may yeah. i think may 15th may 15th or 14th we would love to have you out there. Well, if you ever fight again, what I'd like to do is be in the corner. I want to be the water guy. Yeah, I did that. I did that for Chad Little at one of uh, Daytona. He was racing the Daytona 500. <laughs> he says, "I want you to give me chewing gum and water when I come in for pit stops." I say, "I'll offer that to you too. If you ever have a, a big fight, I would love water. to sit in your corner and give you a little bit of water. Put an ice bag on my neck or something. Yeah, no, sure. you don't. Have an ice bag <laughs> on your neck. You know, hoist the hoist the, uh, the belt. You know, there you go. Is good. Yeah. Um, you have a career record of 18 wins, four yeah. losses, and 11 of those victories by submission. Mm -hmm. Submission, um, would, would, would that be fair to say, was your kind of go-to? You like getting on the ground? and Yeah. That's just kind of – I had the opportunity to grow any direction I wanted when I started training. Um, so I started training May 5th, 2008. Walked in the door to Sikh Jitsu with Rick Little. Been with him forever. And I – I wasn't the greatest wrestler in high school, but I continued to stick with wrestling and coach and help out. And so I still, I had, my wrestling still got good after I graduated. And so when I started training, I was like one of the few guys in the room that could, that could wrestle decent. So I kind of got thrown to the wolves early by the pros. They're like, Hey, I'm fighting a wrestler. You're coming with me. So I took a lot of beatings, but the only way to get out of the beatings was to wrestle these guys. Yeah. So that's, I think that that's where I kind of got the, the, pin, the, the niche for, for submissions is because when I started training, that was the only thing I could do to give myself the best shot against these guys I'm training with. And I'm glad it worked out. You know, it's, uh, 
there there's two journey there's two ways you can go about a fighting career if you're a strike it's like yeah you're a striker or you're a grappler and when a striker their body's usually a lot fresher but you know they take a few up here more often than not me i've protect this but my body's hammered <laughs> so you got to pick your poison Took a lot of beating yeah yeah my body's smoked i'm gonna be i'm gonna be like a i'm gonna be the bionic man by arthritis the time I, when you're 39 how old are you now i'm 33 oh 33. Not, yet. not yet not yet 49 not yet. maybe you start hitting some of that Come so, me like a ton of bricks. One of the things that was exciting for Spokane is we love we love our our sports heroes here. And and uh, on, on June twelfth, two thousand twelve, you officially made your UFC debut in the championship fight in the mm. inaugural season, the Ultimate Fighter, mm. live, and you beat Al Iaquinta mm. by technical submission to take the title of mm. Ultimate Fighter. Tell yeah. me a little bit about a little bit about your ascension into uh, you know the that particular. Um, event because it is like one of the top uh, virtual events you know that people watch and yeah and, and pretty cool to to see that one was uh that was one of the that was probably the most pivotal moment in my life honestly not the, not to i'm not even exaggerating that was the finale from the ultimate fighter and um for the people that don't know and it's fancy you know it's just ironic we're talking about this now um i get on this i get on this reality show the last three months win my fight to get in the house. The next day, my dad passes away. So I had, I go through this three-month journey on this reality show, you know, and it, essentially... In a and I don't want to interrupt oh, yeah. you here, but today's March March 9th, which yep. is uh, the day that you, mm-hmm. you're you talking about, yep. that you win at this fight. Yeah, right. so it was ni- the ninth I fought, and then the 10th was... Uh, that was the day my dad passed. So we go through the season, and it's a tournament style, so we're going through the bracket, and I make the finals, and it turns out to be June 1st, 2012, and that, that's... it in. Is as big of a moment as it was that I made the finals and I've been through this grieving process. Yeah. But the day of the finals was my mom's birthday. Oh, the irony. <laughs> That's a true story. So you want to talk about like there's a lot on the line. And, oh, and, yeah. And I, it was one of the – I really feel like – I feel like every person has it within them that they have one moment within them that they, they cannot be denied something. Where there's something in their life where whether they apply it to something that it matters or something that's insignificant. I feel like everybody has it in them. And Absolutely. I feel like that was it for me. I feel like that day I felt no pressure. I was like, I'm just not going to lose. There's just, I've never felt so, it wasn't like a confidence thing. Mm-hmm. It's just that particular moment. I just knew like, I, there's no way I can lose this fight right now. It's just, there's too much on the line. I've been through too much and it's on my mom's birthday. Like I have to do this. It's, so it was, it was one of my greater achievements and it's, uh, I'm very proud of that. It's, it's, it's one of the few things. I'm very critical of myself, and that's one of the few things I'm proud of is, is that that particular day. That's awesome. Yeah, it was and, pretty and, sweet. And for, uh, for our listeners here, also, there's no one in this arena, so it's not like your mom could be there with you. Mm-hmm. You know, she probably sent you some good luck uh, wish <laughs> phone call. So thank goodness they got FaceTime and, and all that. Where all you, that could, you could Yeah, you could, you know, wish her a happy birthday. Mm-hmm. She could, you know, tell you, son, I love you, and all those types of things. Yeah. But it's not like she was there in your corner. I mean, you're, this is a reality show. My, my mom wouldn't be able to handle. Well, the, yeah. fi- the finals, actually. The finals she got to come to. So oh, the, she did? Yeah, so the that was, this is what's crazy about it. So... Usually they would film the show in six weeks and then you would go home before the finals and they, they'd air the show over three months and then you go back and fight the finals after, after like a three month period. But our season was live. So they did it. They, it was a live fight every oh. Friday for 13 weeks. And then once we got through the semis and the finals were set, we fought the week after the semis. So I ended up having to fight my teammate and we both fought. I fought 
three times in four weeks. Yes. And he fought, or no, I fought, what was it? It was three times in four weeks, and he fought three times in three weeks. So we went into the finals hammered. We're both black guys. We're beat up. Like, we're just smoked. And the, the worst thing about it is you we're cooped up for three months, and then they release us. So it's like you go from being cooped up for three months to like you're in the real world and you're getting to see your friends and your family, and it's, it's weird. So she actually did get to be there for that one, which was cool. I mean, it was uh, it was a special moment for my family. You know, it's it, surreal. It yeah. was it was. I it's did your a, sister get to come up too and be a part of it? Maggie uh, Maggie got to come up, and Amy couldn't. She was too pregnant. <laughs> and, and my mom holds a record from that day. My mom, right before the right before I walked out, Dana goes up to my mom and he goes, "Hey, if your son wins, I just want you to know, like, we're gonna bring you in the octagon." And she's like, "My mom is very shy. She's like, what the heck is going on?" And so. I won, and she ended up being the she's the first mom to ever be in the UFC octagon. She, no way. Yeah, so she like got to come in and like throw my arm around. Her. So she's the, she holds a record over me. She's <laughs> she's a record holder. She, you're in the Hall of Fame. You're the first mom, first to ever, mom ever to step in the octagon. So it was pretty cool, you know. You know, I'm gonna actually have Anza talk to your mom about yeah. that because that'd be kind of cool. You know? uh, she she's, she's that's her, her <laughs> that's her podcast is to talk to the, about the mom the moms of the these uh, successful. She's so, come out of her shell too, so that'd be good to have my mom. That's on. Great. She, she before on. she didn't know how to handle it. She's imagine watching your kids fight; it's not easy. And now yeah, she's like, them, "Oh, I've watched my brothers always fight at home. You know, <laughs> it's never like a mom watching their kid in, yeah. in, in a ring in a in a sanctioned event. That's that's pretty awesome. It's it's funny. I used to call my mom if I'm like like sore i might call somebody for some sympathy I'm like oh mom you know, i'm feeling banged up and she'd be like oh honey you know why don't you just relax today and the last time i tried to do that i called my mom this is like a few years ago i call her i'm like yeah you know i'm just feeling pretty rough it's been a tough camp she's like well do you have practice today i go yeah it's in a couple hours she's like well, maybe you need an extra protein shake before you go i'm like mom i'm looking I'm, for a little sympathy. <laughs> i'm looking for some sympathy like oh honey maybe take it easy she's like oh drink a protein shake you should probably be there i'm like oh. see she's evolved she's seasoned yep she's, she's seasoned so. <laughs> well you're right now you're currently ranked as the number six ufc welterweight and i mm -hmm. think that's uh we spoke a little earlier about that that welterweight class is probably the class that suits you the best yeah tell us, tell us why um you know i fought my first fight ever at 155 pounds 13 years ago you know, I didn't have to cut a lot of weight. And, and uh, you know, as time goes on, whether you lift weights or you don't, you just grow, your bones get denser. And and uh, so, essentially, I fought my whole career at 155, even though I kept getting bigger. And, and uh, it was once I got in the UFC and I was able to – I had a full-time job before, so I didn't really lift weights. I just had time to, to do my, my, my mixed martial arts training, sure. and that's it. So once I was able to, to go – to commit to fighting full-time, it's like, well, I need to start lifting weights. And I fell in love with that. I never was, I was a really small kid growing up. I was too intimidated to go in the weight room and lift. I was a shrimp. So, uh, I, I didn't like the weight room. Yeah, I, I was not. And now I love it. I'm like addicted. I'm a meathead. Well, I'm a kind of, a, I'm, kind, yeah, I'm kind of a meathead now. So I, uh, I just started getting bigger and I started battling myself. A we talked about this, how a, a training camp is hard enough. You know what it's like to prepare for a season and Absolutely. you're putting your body, pushing your body to its limits every single day. It's always going to be hard, but when you add that extra wrinkle of cutting too much weight, it's like you go through, imagine getting done with all of your, 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 your training for your camp. And then yep. when all the practices are done, you have to go to the gym and run an extra five miles when your body's already torched. So I was just banging myself up too much. And, uh, this is the right, this is the right division for me because it, it, it unlocks my potential. I think that, um, 
with my style of fighting, I need to lift weights. I need to be stronger. I need to be nurtured. It's sure. a, it, my, my training camps are very grueling. It's a hard style. So I can prepare adequately and take care of my body. And I, I don't feel like I did it too late, but I feel like I did it at the right time. It's, it's, I was telling you how yeah. halfway through a training camp, I decided I'm going to go up a weight class. Now that, that ended up being the camp that I missed weight. And it was one of the most embarrassing moments of my career. And I knew that I'm not a guy, if I say something, I'm not going to go back on my word. And I just, I'm done here. I'm never coming back. And people were like, you're a psychopath, welterweights, you know, shark infested waters, you know, and I, the toughest, I just, the toughest weight class, but the, the, I don't care. I, I also wanted to prove to myself that I'm not just winning fights because I'm bigger. Like there was a lot of people like, God, he's so much bigger than everybody. That's why he's winning. It's like you know what? Screw you guys! I'm I'll, going up. I'll, I'm, I'm going up, up, and I'm going to fight, and I'm and now. But, I'm, but you feel good being there, right? Yeah, it's just this stress is off, dude. When let I me, it, let me ask, since we're since we're on this, and, oh yeah. and we talk about um, you know training because mm-hmm. you know training camp and everything. Yeah, I mean, we had Dan Riley, our strength coach, says, "Listen, we're gonna we're between the time our season ends and we get to training camp." We're going to get you guys at 100% capacity on whatever your your and most of our stuff was hammer strength. He was a big hammer strength guy, and yeah. we want to reach our, our goals, not only our goals, surpass our goals, get an into camp. Then we want to keep about 90% of our strength throughout the season. Yours is differently because you got training camp, and you get training camp all the way up to the fight itself. Mm-hmm. When do you start backing off a little bit of that and when and get ready for the, the fight? Or kind of run us through the, your training camp and your training regimen. Well, for the most part, I, I used to be kind of when when I was at 155 pounds, I was definitely like a there's an on season and off season for me, and it's I think is when uh, when I was cutting all that weight, I just would get so done. when the, by the time the fight's over with, I'm like, God, I just need to get away from training. Where now it's different. Like my regiment now, I I took four days off after the fight this last one, and I was right back in the weight room. I built a weight a really nice weight room in my garage. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm in that mode right now, Mark, where my, my training regimen is every day all the time, because I'm just, I'm at that point in my career where I'm, I've got it figured out. I'm, I've, I'm, I'm, I've matured. I've taken my losses. I've learned the lessons I needed and I'm very, very hungry. So, you know, I, I, I try to train eight to 10 times a week when I don't have a fight, whether that's two times in a day, once a day, I just try to get eight to 10 workouts. Once training camp starts, I like a 12-week notice, and those first, probably the first six weeks, I'm going nuts. I'm going three times a day, six days, three to, two to three times a day, five days a week, Saturdays just once, but I start trying to crank in as many workouts as I can, and then as the fight gets closer, um, the intensity will come up. So it's not like when I'm doing three workouts a day, they're all balls to the wall. It's just a volume thing. Sure. So once we get into the last six weeks of camp, it's two practices a day, but the intensity is high. The, 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 these are very meaningful practices and really just try to like, it's almost like you want to peak mid camp and then you want to hit a big dip and then you want to re peak again. And then by that time, that's when you're fighting. So it's, that's what, that's what helps with having the same coach for so many years because yeah. he knows he, he's, he can read, he can, the second I walk in the gym, he can just look at me and go, okay, this is the type of day we're having. He can read me with one look and be like, Oh, light day. You look smoked, you yeah. know? So, yeah. It's beneficial to have that. Uh, Does Rick travel with you? I mean, everywhere, everywhere. This Rick's very similar to me, where he's so committed to this sport. If I, you know, Julie Julie Penny lives in Chicago, a longtime teammate of mine, and uh, when she gets a training camp, like she might be getting a title fight soon, he'll pack up shop and go to Chicago for six weeks, and he's got a family here, so he's committed to this sport as much as That's his awesome. athletes are. Yeah, so it, he'll he'll go with me everywhere. We've been we've been all over the world. I pretty much every ticket I've punched in my passport, he he has the same one. 
Now, what what is your cardiovascular routine? Is it is it on in in an octagon with another guy? Is that where you get most of your cardio? Because I know a lot of people don't understand this. I've, I'll just say I, I, I at Washington State I had a took a course in, in boxing, hmm. and my final was a a you know three three minute rounds with a guy in the ring, you know, and I look at him, the guy's just fucking built like a brick shit house. <laughs> and I'm scared to death. Lucky I was about four inches taller. I just killed him with jabs and just knocked him through the ropes yeah. early on. But I'm thinking to myself in that 50 seconds of, of, of fighting, I'm a spent, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I don't know how, how can you guys, how do you train the cardiovascular? Because if you got to go late into the fifth, what's the longest? The fifth, five rounds, five, five minute rounds. You go late into the fifth round. Tell me you're not sucking eggs by the time you get into the third round. Never mind the fifth round. Man. Well, this last fight was my first time doing a five, five minute round fight. I went the distance and, uh, I was in good shape. I got a short notice call for the for they called me two and a half weeks before the fight to ask me to fill in for the main event. So usually it's three five minute rounds, but this one you know so the two and a half week notice to go the extra rounds and in terms of how I prepare for for my style, um, obviously there the strength conditioning. There's a strength aspect and a conditioning aspect. There's always hard conditioning when I'm done with my lifts, and yep. then. Um, obviously a lot of my condition comes through like, you know, my live sparring, my scrimmaging. But when it comes to the sparring aspect, like I won't, I'll only spar one day a week and it is only the amount of time I'm fighting. It used to be, we're going to spar a ton and, and it gets you in good shape. I, I will say if I'm sparring three times a week and I'm doing five rounds every time, <laughs> I'm getting in good shape, but everything from head to toe is getting compromised. Yeah. And, uh, that's not the right way to train. I, it, the, the, the key is to just be be is be in as best physical shape as you can be on fight night and that's just too risky so it's it's the you know, a lot of strength conditioning i have a good coach down in vegas he i go down there and it, it's very scientific now i do a lot of, of tests so they'll hook me up to all these things and have me do vo2 max they'll have me do power tests they'll have me do all these things and he can see where i'm strong and where i'm weak and then he'll write a program based around that wow. it's really cool man it's 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 been the ufc performance institute's been a, such a key player in this kind of second run i've essentially that i'm on right now and uh but yeah so a lot of live rounds and just a lot of strength conditioning and, and uh just work, man. You just got to work. You got to be put the time in. Huh? I'm not. I'm not a talented guy. I'm a work guy. You know. And I feel like the talented guys you are bring, usually. You, you bring your lunch bucket, don't you? Yeah, I do. I I was a blue collar kid. I worked. I worked in the fields in Otis Orchards. I slanged beer for Anheuser for King Beverage for years, man. Yeah, I, yeah, you, yeah. You work for the Rusnicks, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. John Stockton's brother, uh, Steve. Yeah. Such a good family. They took yeah. good. They took great care of me. Oh, good. On people. the on the upswing when I they got behind me when I started fighting. Great people. Very philanthropic here. I. Um, to Ted Rusnick, uh, funny. Ted was born in the same town my dad was born in in Canada, which is ironic. You know? <laughs> he didn't spend much time there, but Peter now run kind of runs things out there. And yeah, I think he's probably running things when you were there. But yeah, he, he took people. over. Steve Stockton, you know, uh, John's brothers have done amazing things, and they're they're great for Spokane. They know? are so good. And he gave Ted gave me the job because my dad sold him a few Mercedes. Oh, there you so go. yeah, so my my dad. Was, I think he sold him the Mercedes truck, didn't he? That he, big old. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I've seen Teddy run around. Yeah, so they're a good family, and they were very supportive of my my rise to the top, my rise to to get to the UFC. They were like. Did they do any sponsorship for you? For a couple of amateur fights. Not for me personally, but they, you know, they put on the beer garden at some of the fights oh, yeah. and it was it was cool. They'd post the posters in the in the in the break room and stuff. And it's funny, I told them when I left for the ultimate fighter, hey, if I don't win this fight to get in the house, 
you know, I'll be back to work on Monday. Like that wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I just knew it's like, sure. it's either I lose and come home and get back to it or yeah, I move on. And yep. you're just going to stay in good shape and work at uh, King Beverage the rest of your life. Or you're going to try to make this thing. Well, right. I still showed up to the break room when I, after, the, you really? after, oh. the, after the finale, I got home and I still had my key card. And I just, Walked in and I didn't have a uniform on. I swiped in, walked. Did they cheer the you? Were no, they... they were all like, "What are you doing here?" It's like six in the morning. I like walked in, pumped a cup of coffee, sat down. They're all like, "What are you doing here? You're the badass. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't work here anymore." <laughs> That's great. Well, yeah. again, I think I said you're currently ranked uh, number six. Who are the five guys ahead of you that you're you know kind of eyeing up? Um, in no particular order. I mean, you got the champ Kamar Usman. You yep. got. Uh, Colby Covington, you got Gilbert Burns, you got Jorge Mazadal, you have Leon Edwards, and you have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So you got the champ, and then the five guys below him, and then there's me. Um, you know, I, uh, I've actually, I've, I've, I've already tussled with Mazadal once. He was my first pro loss. Really? Yeah, in Seattle. I thought I asked for that fight. Yeah, I'm. I didn't think I could be beat. You know, you know what it's like oh, when yeah. you're young oh, and yeah. you haven't taken a real, taken a real loss yet. Yeah, yeah. I asked but for yeah, your confidence in yourself. Yeah, that's what I say. You're not going to back down from anyone. That's, no, no. So that's I asked, a Highlander way, right? That's right. I had the best round of my life. I went out there and I, I never dropped anybody. I went out there, boom, boom, hit him with a nice two piece, dropped him, almost choked him out. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be easy. And then by the time I hit the stool, and after the first, I was like. Whew. Kind of went, I put too many eggs in that basket, and he came back on me, and he choked me out with one second left in the second round. One second. Oh, my one goodness. Second. They called it? He, one second. Come on. Yeah, you I did. Got... That was my fight. I tapped. I, that was me. I, I broke. You know, I have no problem looking back on that and being like, I, okay, well, I yeah. bit off more than I could chew, and I paid the price, and I became a much better fighter for it. I, w I wouldn't have grown if I went on and won that fight. I wouldn't have got the gains i did from losing it so it, it, in hindsight go. yeah well it, yeah, it's the learning learning the learning curves we you know go through is at the as yeah so I've, I've got a taste of the guys at the top of my weight class and i you know i feel confident and you know the higher up the ranks you get it just becomes more of a coin flip you know it's like it's like the super bowl that's good it's a coin flip game you know the two best teams so it's like once you get to the guys in the top five it's like this is a coin flip fight the best thing you can do is just be as prepared as you possibly can so yeah, yeah. and i think that's one of the things that I, I admire about you is that you're, you're not going to lose because you won't, you're not going to be prepared and you're not going to be in your best shape. And and I think that uh, unfortunately sends a message to a lot of those guys that are one to five and champions that uh, if if they're calling your number, <laughs> they better bring their fuck, they better bring their fucking lunchbox. They better bring their lunchbox. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, so you come from Italian roots, you know, Chiesa's an Italian, and you're originally. From where? I mean, did you did you grow up in Spokane? Were you born in Spokane? I was, Give me a little insight. I was born in Aurora, Colorado. Um, I don't even know really know how my parents ended up there. Uh, so my dad, uh, so the the Italian thing. My dad's a full blooded Italian. Uh, my my grandfather is from Paisan. Huh? You know, Paisan. Uh, this is where my talking <laughs> hands come from. <laughs> but my grandfather, he's from Camoglie, and my my grandmother, she's from Sicily, and. Uh, so, you know, they met and uh, my grandfather had a job that bounced him around all over the world. And, and um, yeah, Italian family. But, yeah, my dad ended up in Aurora. I still don't understand that. Like, I know how he ended up in Coeur d'Alene. My dad worked at a hotel in Mexico City and the Templins used to go there. Oh, And so yes. the Templins would always go to the same hotel he worked at. And they like, they're like, hey, we want you to move and work in, they, in, they, in they, our they hotel. Moved, they, they moved him to Wallace to run the Jameson. 
So they're like, Wallace, we, we want I you to, got, we got this bar. We want you to move to Idaho. You can sadly, this bar. I got some history at a Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about right now. But, uh, but yeah, so he, uh, that's how the, I don't know how the Aurora thing happened, but that's how my dad ended up in this. That's area. how you ended up in this area. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, how I ended up that. Yeah. Oh, that, uh, <laughs> that's a great story. Did, um, uh, so they came here, Spokane. How old were you? In the, and, and and by the way, you're, you're, you have two sisters, right? Yep. Um, I'm older, middle, younger? Older. I'm the baby. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they made me tough. They, they did. They, Good for they them. They were hellions. There's a reason why my parents gave me no chores in the summer because they're like, we can't coop this poor kid up with his sisters. He'll never survive. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I have two older sisters. And and, and they're in, in the area? Or um, one is in Idaho? Yep. A, uh, Amy is down in Rupert, Idaho. And then uh, Maggie, she lives up on Five Mile Prairie. So oh, she's still here. Yeah, I wish everybody was here in the same spot, but it's nice to get out and travel and stuff. So. And your mom's still in Spokane? Yep, mom's Kendall Yards. Oh, love yeah, it. She, she's that's, still here. That's awesome. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. So you were a standout wrestler at Shadle Park High School, graduated mm. 2006. Yep. And um, how do you think... When you look back on on your your wrestling days, because it, it wasn't like you were wrestling at Shadle thinking you were going to be an MMA fighter, were you? How do you think wrestling shaped you into being the fighter you are today? Well, it's funny. I uh, so I started out at East Valley. I was an East Valley kid my whole life, and then um, my my so my my dad was divorced. So I lived with my mom, and mm-hmm. then um, the the mom that my biological mom. That's the best way to phrase. It. I lived with my biological mom. Yep. And then uh, I moved in with my dad uh, my sophomore year. So I, I went to Shadle for two years. And it was so much better. I, the, I, I came from a big wrestling community, so I aspired to be a state champion. I want to be a state champion. I want to wrestle in college. I want to do these things. And injuries kind of held me back my first two seasons. And then that's kind of, uh, you know, going to Shadle, getting a fresh start, finally getting to wrestle in high school. Um, the, the, the intent my junior year was college i want to wrestle in college i wanted to wrestle in the air force and then fighting started to gain some traction and i i watched it through middle school but by the time i got to shadow it's starting to be on commercials on spike tv and things like that it was when the first season of the ultimate fighter came out that's when i was always that's when it really got mainstream kind of piqued your it got my attention yeah Yeah, and it's like i think the thing that drew me to it mark was i wanted to uh I'm good for now. <laughs> the thing that drew me to it, Mark, is I got picked on a lot growing up, and I think that I really wanted to just be the one thing I wasn't meant to be. I think that that's where my attraction. I I always liked, like I told you, I played hockey. I got some scuffles. You know, I, I wanted. I you know, it's just I, something about combat sports always had my attention, and I think that that's was like yeah, I just want to be the one person I'm not meant to be. And I so it's kind of kind of a little bit in your blood because you felt there was a there was a certain. The competitiveness is in my blood. Totally. So by the time my my senior year came around, I still wanted to wrestle in the Air Force. I still wanted to move on, but the intent was for fighting. I was like, I had a, one of my coaches was actually a fighter, and that I, he was one of my he's, he was a big inspiration for me. And who's he, that? Gabe Schaefer. He, okay. And Sean Howard and Sean Gabe Schaefer. He he's moved on. He coached. He he wrestled in the Air Force. Now he coaches at Clovis High School in California. Gotcha. But Coach Howard's still here, and he they both fought, and so they would come to after Ultimate Fighter came out. Then they I'm both see, fought like what? I mean, just like, like they did the, like in the bars. They, they, no, they <laughs> Gabe fought like just on regional shows. Just oh, local yeah, yeah, stuff. local like tough man competition. Yeah, but then they'd come to wrestling practice. At this time, they're in their early mid twenties, so they'd come to wrestling practice to coach, and they'd be in these fights stuff and i'm like oh you guys are fighters too you guys are fighters they're like yeah yeah so i had now i had you know my my attention got drawn to fighting and now i realized i have coaches that are fighters they're not in the ufc but they're sure but they're fighters so 
I, I, my gears changed and, and it worked out. I couldn't go into the air force because of an injury. I broke my femur when I was 15. What? Yeah. So I enlisted. I, I, I signed up. Now your femur's not a little bone, by the way. <laughs> and I did it the dumbest way. I wrecked the scooter into a truck. Self and this is the self-induced injuries I was talking, talking about. Yeah. So yeah, so it worked out. The Air Force denied me, and I was like, "Well, what am I going to do? I have nothing." So I spun my wheels for about a year, and then MMA gym started popping up, and I was like, "Well, fuck! All Let's right, I guess we're doing this. On. We'll just get it. We're get her going now." And after the first practice, I was hooked. No now, did your did your femur uh, calcify? Fully and, and healed 100%, or does it bother you still? Uh, you know, it's funny. When we were talking about the surgery I had uh, this summer, yeah. it was because of that. I had oh. the, the, the rod itself is fine, and where the brake was fine, but the screws. I have two screws, one at the bottom of the, of the femur and one at the top. And that Poking one, at you? Yeah, that one in the in the bottom is stuck. The tip of the screw, the pointy part, stuck out of my femur about this far. And so it, if you ever hit me, on the inside of my With left leg, kick, yeah. it would stab in the muscle. So I had like all this scar tissue and in the winter I get bad pain. And so I was like, I'm going to get them removed. And I went and saw this doctor in Vegas, who's a good doctor. And he's like, yeah, it's a 15 minute surgery in and out. We'll just put you out. We'll pull them out and you're, you're good to go. Well, I woke up after a six and a half hour surgery because he couldn't get the screws out of my leg and he was ripping on my fucking leg. Yeah, my my there was a point mark, I'm not exaggerating this summer where you didn't know if you'd walk or not. We didn't we knew I would walk, but we weren't sure how there wasn't really a question if I could ever fight again. It was more like this might be a while. Like it was really no really way. bad. My a, a surgery that's supposed to be pull two screws out, I I ended up having I my leg was black from up up in my crotch region my whole left leg was black all the way around all the way down to my ankle my leg i could show you pictures was black it looked like i blew every Jeez. ligament and tore every muscle tendon in my leg my Your leg body just because he's cranking on it just for... cranking on it too much trauma putting my leg in a tourniquet for six hours it's like yeah so it was it was a scary deal and it, thank god that doctor did a shitty surgery but i'm still a lot better off than i was before because so I, do you, do you, does it feel better now oh yeah i mean this was the first camp i had without any hip issues any knee issues so and then kicking you on the inner part of your leg you're not going to feel it i can finally fight right-handed i fought i fought with my left leg i left back in the back i'm right-handed but i fought as a southpaw to protect this leg because i just oh my i can't goodness. i did that for 13 years and then finally was like you know you are a fucking head job <laughs> I'm a fucking psycho, man. <laughs> I'm a lunatic. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yes. incredible. So now I'm like kind of can. But it probably helped you. It's helped I my mean, training. You think, you think you, you know, when you're fighting as a southpaw, now you go back to what you really do. And now I got, got a whole new bag of tricks. Right a whole new bag now. of tricks yeah. that nobody knows about. So it's. Which would sneak up on these yeah. buggers from. I'm saving, I'm saving this stuff for the guys at the top. The guys at the I top five, it. I got a couple, couple little. Edit that out. Tell it. So you uh, you have a, you have a purple belt in Brazilian Jitsu. Mm -hmm. Tell me what a purple is. That like better than a black belt? No, black belt's the best. Okay. Um, a lot of people think. And where did you train to get this uh, purple black belt or for purple uh, belt in Brazilian Jitsu? So I started at an MMA gym where there's really no belting system, uh -huh. and um, it wasn't until I lost Anthony Pettis in 2018. And I was like, I was baffled because I, I'm the grappler. I'm the submission guy. And he has good ground skills, but this is a striker. And right. I, I went home on the loss and was like, I just got submitted by a striker. 
that should not that that was like it was not it i can't say it's an insult because it's my fault i made tactical errors that led to him winning the fight but it just i'm i have no problem eating humble pie and i was like you know what i'm gonna go he does gi jiu-jitsu that's probably how he beat me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing gi jiu jitsu. And I even prior to that fight, I had submitted a ton of black belts that were you know had the proper ranking. But I didn't grow up in that type of system. So 2018 took the loss, ate some humble pie, dish best served cold, and uh, walked in the doors to newborn jiu jitsu on division. Um, head coach James James Weeds there. Awesome guy, and um, you know, know where it's at. Yeah. yeah. So when when I went in and talked to him, he's like, "So what do you want to do? Are you just here to get ready for fights? Are you gonna like actually invest yourself? In, yeah. Are you gonna invest in the curriculum? I'm like, no, I'm gonna I'm, a, I'm I'm gonna invest in the curriculum. I'm I'm not here just to get in shape. Like I, this is why I lost, and I'm gonna immerse myself into this so I can correct these deficits. And uh, he's like, well, I'm not giving you special treatment. You know, you're not obviously you're not a white belt because you've been doing this a long time, but I'm like, well, I know. Give me the white belt. I don't want to be treated special. I'm, I'm, I'm a white belt. I want to earn it. I yeah. just, I want to earn my way up. And he, and that, that, I think that's where, it's just be humble, man. I just because I, you know, I have a, I shouldn't be a white belt, but I am a white belt, and I have no people be like, that's not right. I go, no, it is right because I'm, I did, I'm not going to jump the line. I'm not going to skip. I want to go through the process yeah. just the same as everybody else, yeah. and earn my black belt just the same as everyone else. So I'm on my way to get it. Oh, so you're still you're still in, I'm still, in process. It's yeah, like yeah, a three, so it's a two three year plan it's, it's, that you're on right now. It's it, I've got you started my, after the Pettis fight. Right? Yeah, so I've gotten a purple belt after a few years, and I think it'll probably be f- probably four or five before I get my black belt, and that's fine. I just I want to earn it just the same as everyone else. I've never wanted special treatment in my life. I'd rather be. I'm just there's no. I don't want any special treatment. I've never been that type of guy. Like I'm not. I don't know. I'm. Uh, I, I respect you, and yeah, I respect you even more. Thank now. you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I've always respected you. And Thank you, sir. Now even more that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I I kind of like cutting in in lines. If I got uh, if I need a liver. Well, I would be a liar <laughs> if I said there aren't some times. There are some perks. Yes, there the, are some perks. If I need a liver, I'm. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be the first. If I can cut line. the line to get into the local bar. <laughs> I, I might do see that. if there's yeah. a concert or something. You know, but, but for big things. But for big pivotal and for things, you, yeah. yeah, for you and things that, that matter. You yeah, know, the pivotal things. Yeah, I want to be. Things. I just want to be treated like everyone else. That's that's awesome. Now, yeah. is it is is this a rumor? Is this like one of these um, uh, rumor things where that you with uh, you, you you tell us how you came to train with Rick Little? Is it yeah. because you? Uh, was there a gal that saw you fight at a Hooters? Is this a true story or is this <laughs> yeah. urban legend? Or, um, and, and give us the, give us a background on that. This is, uh, this is how I got to training at Rick's gym. 100%. I, uh, UFC 78 or wait, let me backtrack. So when I was like 18, 19 years old after I graduated. Because Hooters is not here anymore, but I know the I parking wish, lot. I wish it was still here. Was it I, right out there in the parking lot? On the second tier. Uh, yeah. So we I'm, used to, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty jacked. <laughs> so we used to like go there to watch the UFCs. Because yeah. none of us like, you know, the pay-per-views are like 60 bucks. We're all like young 18, 19-year-old kids. Wanna, so we want to go to Hooters, hit on the cold chicks. Cold beer, hit on the chicks. Yeah. yeah well, at the, time, at the time, we would we would have uh, parking lot beers because we were like 18. So yeah. we'd hit the parking lot beers and go to Hooters, <laughs> order some wings sit on the chicks and stuff but it was like it would always just be me and like three of my buddies and we'd kind of sit in the corner we kind of like they would like sit us in the 21 year old section which like put us in a corner like yeah give give the guys water let them hang out and and, uh it was ufc 78 chuck liddell versus uh keith jardine and about halfway through the main card 
we're right by this huge group. It's like three big, like eight top tables stuffed full of guys. They're all drinking, hooting, hollering, having a good time. Out of nowhere, the waitress goes over to ask him for a drink order. And this guy stands up and he looks over at our table and he goes, why don't you go get the boys another fucking glass of water? And we're like, all right. Like we're just minding our business. There's like 20 guys over here. And we're like, my one, my one <laughs> friend, Shelby, my one friend, Shelby, the shortest guy of us stands up and was like, shut the, f I don't want to say what you said. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> there yeah. was, there was more to it, but he's, yeah, okay. he threw some fucking venom back in that guy's face. And, the, and then they tried to fight. And then it's like, from that moment on, we knew when this event gets over, we're going to be outside, we're gonna be outside fighting. So we saw like half the guys get up and leave. And by then they're hammered and we're not. And we're like, dude, there's like eight of them. They're f smoked. They're drunk as shit. We're going to kick their ass. And fuck three no. against eight. <laughs> so we walked out. Well, we, there's four of us. And by the time we walked outside that half the people that left were just standing out there smoking cigarettes. So we're fucked. So we like, we, we just don't say anything and they start taunting us talking shit. And so we walk to our car and for people that don't know, haven't been to the old Hooters, there's two tiers of the parking lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so we walk down from the upper tier, and we're parked on the rail. And so there's a car next to us, and then it's like the the the, the grassy hill. Yeah. We get to the car, and they just fucking surround us. And we're just stuck, like, in do-or-die situation. So, boom, the fight kicks off. And it's just, at that point, it's a blur. You know, it's like a fight-or-flight situation. We're just fighting these dudes, and apparently I did good. I don't really remember a lot of it. I was sober, but like I said, this is like a chaotic thing. The only thing I really remember... I, when it hit, kicked off, I remember like seeing some flashes. I remember feeling my fist hit guys and got tripped up and fell. And when I stood up, everybody's fighting, and I look and I see the guy that started it. And he's just standing in the middle of the group, not doing anything. I'm like, oh, you're I want this son of a bitch. So I go charging him, cock my fist back, and I swung, and he didn't even see me. He stepped out of the way, and I missed, and I ended up my fist hit this guy in the chest, and this guy was fucking huge. And I was like, oh, no, no. So I, it's like no, no, no. no, no. I, I apologize. I think this is what what got me the reputations because this guy was. Big, big. And I, like, hit him on the chest. And he's like, oh, you want to fucking fight me? I'm like, no, 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 no. Start swinging. Start swinging. So I keep, like, kind of evading punches. And then once he got close, I, like, double-legged him to the ground, landed some strikes. Well, me and my buddies <laughs> left. We, Me and my buddies left it on our own free will. And by the time this scene ended, there was, like, two paramedics, a bodies fire truck, seven fucking cop cars. And I know one guy, one guy got laced up pretty bad. I don't know if it was me. Um, he got laced up pretty bad and had to leave it at paramedic. Um, but I, I do think that there, the, the fight was so big. I think that some bystanders actually like came in at our side. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like me and my four buddies beat up 20 dudes. Cause that's probably not true. But, but I will say, I think that there was probably people on the outside that were like, holding some these back. poor little dudes. Like these guys are like, you could tell that we're teenagers. We're not even 20. Like we're like kids. So I think that there was some guys that probably came in. I would, I would have to, yeah, probably. But I would also have to say yeah. and, and my brother, Tim. Yeah. And his buddy Reed Schaefer yeah. and Mike Hertz would go all the way from Spokane all the way to the valley out at whatever Shakey's Pizza out there oh, the, yeah. in the valley, and they would walk into U-High Central Valley Territory and let's get it on. Yeah, well, if you would ask me this story like eight years ago, I probably would have told you we kicked all their asses. <laughs> but now that I'm an adult, I, I can honestly say I'm pretty sure that there's some type of intervention. But I like I said, I think I got the reputation from beating up that one big guy at the end. And the way it circled back to Rick is 
Rick started his amateur promotion, Excite Fight, and he used some of the Hooters girls as ring cart girls. Oh. And so he heard they went to him and they're like, dude, this one guy fucking kicked this dude's ass. You got to get him in here. Yeah, like he was part of this crazy bra. And I think they told him, you would have to ask him, but I'm pretty sure that, that the girls were like, Mike beat up all these guys, like all these dudes. And, <laughs> and so he, they called me, This the, one of the waitresses called me like a few months later, was like, hey, we're finally doing UFCs at Hooters again. Like you and your friends want to come back in. And we'll, you, all your food and stuff is on us is like an apology for that happening sure so i was like yeah sure i show up and i sit at the table and i have this uh i have a rampage jackson shirt on i sit down at my table and i look and the guy next to me has one on too and it turned out to be rick and i was like oh nice shirt he's like are you mike i'm like yeah and he's like so we started talking he gave me a few tickets to his next fight show and then i was off to the races and let's talk about rick little because yeah. um you've been with him your whole career mm-hmm Chauncey Welliver had nothing but great things to say about what he's doing to his gym and, mm-hmm. and the people he's put in his gym and, and the great things he's doing for our, our kids here in, mm-hmm. in Spokane. Uh, talk about Rick a little bit. He's uh, Well, I've been with Rick for 13 years. Um, he's a guy, he just has a really, really good eye for the sport, and he's very, very compassionate. It's, it, it's, it's hard to break through it's hard to break through into the circle amongst our team. It's like, you know, you know how it is. You're walking in the gym. You kind of got to like earn your stripes type of thing. But Rick's very compassionate about the people that he trains. He cares a lot. He doesn't, he, he wants to, he's always very mindful about wanting to get guys to the, to their highest potential and wants to do it in a way where it comes, doesn't come at a price. Like, like coming up as a pro, like Rick, put us in the right fights to he didn't want he doesn't want to see us get hurt and it's it, that's a hard thing to do in this sport because this is this is the hurt business so he's very compassionate for his fighters his team he cares a lot about the well-being of the people that partake in this sport and um you know he just cares a lot he's he like i told you he's a guy that if if i he'll he'll drop everything if one of his fighters need him and that could be for a training camp purpose that could be for a life purpose it could be for anything if if, if, if if rick is needed that's special yeah it is you know he's i told him um he's such a stoic guy i think i actually got him to crack one time got him to, I, I think i got him i think it looked like he might have got some dust in his eyes but there you go i finally told him i'm like this guy has become a, like a swiss army knife of a person for me he's like a coach figure a friend figure sometimes a father, father figure, figure yeah. So yeah you know and he's he, he, he he's the guy that if i at this point in my life, if something happens to me, if I got in trouble, and there was one specific time where I got myself in a pinch, and uh, he's just my knee-jerk reaction, he's the first guy I'm going to call. So he's a, he's a really good guy, you know, and you know how Spokane is. Everybody's got something to say about everybody. but you know, And everyone knows everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but he's he's a damn good man, and, uh, you know, he, he does well by his fighters. And he's, he's – and he's and the, the, aside from that, to his credentials, I mean, look at the – look at – people will say – Rick's had talent fall in his hands. Rick, you guys didn't see me and Julie when we walked into the gym. You know what I mean? I was a, I was a, I was a second string varsity wrestler. You know what I mean? Julie Pena barely played sports. You know, it's like, and he he's taken people. He there's this guy. This is a this is one of the biggest testaments to how good of a coach Rick is. Will Comstock. People watching this won't know who Will Comstock is. <laughs> and Will Comstock's probably going to watch this when I post this on my Facebook. So shout out to Will Comstock. Really? Rick went to Rick used to go to Burger King on Francis. And 
this kid, Will Comstock, worked at Burger King. I would have to say I've been there a few times. Yeah, I have too. Love them. Whoppers, baby. Yeah, I love those double, and, uh, double Whoppers here. So, I mean, that's uh, why I look like I look like and you look like. Go, go ahead. So Will used to give Rick free burgers because he knew who Rick was. And Rick finally one day was like, Will, why don't you, you, know, why don't you just come train? So Will started coming and training with us. Will, if you Will's not a not a stellar athlete, you know, yeah. but he's a guy that went from flipping burgers at Burger King to actually won some pro fights because Rick coached him up, you know. So it's but like, his, but the morale he did, yeah, kid, dude. Know I mean? Will yeah, Will's just, Will actually submitted me at practice a few times. God, it made me mad, but it's he's, did he really he did, and he that, that's that's like a testament. Like Rick knows how to coach fighters, how to fight. It's it's not it's not all a fighting's not a who knows the most techniques and all this stuff it's like who can do the basics the best you know what i mean and, oh yeah and, 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 I, I need to go see rick the only the only fight i ever lost yeah was when i tripped trying to run away from a guy <laughs> see a little groundwork would go a long ways oh, but shout guy. out to will comstock will comstock one pro awesome, fights will. from burger king to the pros dude and that's rick and that's rick's coaching rick coached rick's him coaching. that's the only place he ever trained so tell me about chick Jitsu fighting system. Yes, is this, is this Rick's? Yeah, part? yep. The Sick Jitsu fighting system. That's Rick's gym. Um, that's kind of been his. That's been his brand for a long time. Um, and does he teach uh, Joe Jitsu there? Yeah, he teaches. He he teaches a lot of. It's it's primarily mixed martial arts training. It's a mixed martial mm-hmm. arts gym. There's no. There's not really like a belting ranking system. There's not a specialty there, but it's it's wrestling, it's jujitsu, it's striking, it's a lot of everything. And the content of all those. Exactly, yeah. and it's it's a place for people of all shapes and sizes and genders. Mm-hmm. And we're actually in the process of building a new facility. It's going to be on North Market, and it's going to be big, and it'll be it's super nice. It's just been a slow going process for us, but North uh, Market, North Hill- Market, Hilliard area, uh, like north of Francis, yeah. Oh, okay. so yeah, so I he's know, got a piece with yeah. the foundations laid, plumbing's in. That's um, great. Getting ready to, to build a structure this spring, so well, it'll I mean, be. A, I, need, I need to get Rick on this show because I mean he's a great guy to talk to. You'd have a blast with him. Yeah, yeah. well, just to promote, you know, some of yeah, the stuff he's doing because we need. I mean, our our young kids need things to do, especially as COVID's been fucked up. You know? Yeah, hundred percent. So that'll be, I think, by hopefully by fall. Early fall, maybe midsummer. I think we'll be up and rolling, but that'll be great because right now we're just training in a garage. We just got a two car garage with mats and wall mats and some tough bodies, but that's all you need, baby. You just need hey. four walls and a, a couple tough guys. Spokane, baby. Spokane, yeah, baby. Spokane Blue collar. Proud. From Absolutely. the dirt. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So what, what do you remember about your first professional debut? Uh, my first my first pro fight. UFC. Oh, my first UFC fight. Yep. Oh, your first man. pro fight was Sharon, uh, yeah. Spain. Your first UFC fight. First, so my UFC debut was UFC 157, uh, January 23rd, 2012, at the Honda Center. In in Anaheim? Yep. Really? And Ronda Rousey's debut, main event, against uh, Liz Carmouche. That was my first big show. I mean, I fought the finale, but that was like a couple thousand people, and sure. I still wasn't in the UFC. This was my first, like, you're in the UFC. Yep. So, yep. man, I will never forget this. This will always stand who, out to who me. Who was it against? Anton Kuivanen from Finland. Um, had a decent first round. He kind of started. He it was a close back and forth round. I'd say he squeaked out the 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 first round. But I remember coming back to the stool a little discouraged. I have a I have this picture, and it's my favorite picture of me and Sam Cecilia. Sam's my best friend. He's we've been in this whole journey together. Sure. But I, my favorite picture. Of and him he was and I, in the Ultimate Fighter with Sam. Was yeah, yeah. Yes. He's a local guy, Spokane guy. Oh yeah. So I have Is this, Sam still here in Spokane. Yeah, I bring him on the show too. He's a fun guy. You get. You, I would love to talk. Yeah, to you him. open that guy up. You'll have a blast. Does he like to have a little? 
little hooch. Yeah, yeah sure, why something, not? Something. <laughs> but I, I remember I was a little discouraged, and I have this picture of him and I where he's looking at me pretty confidently, and I'm looking kind of like, Ooh, <laughs> but I'll never forget this. And I, this out of any fight I've ever had, this is so. This will always feel like it was just yesterday's. I remember I won, and I just will never forget. You know what it's like to be in a packed arena. And you're the you're the man in the middle, and you can just feel the cheers. Like Energy. I remember, I remember when I won, and I jumped up on the cage draw. I remember I could physically feel. I'm getting goosebumps under my shirt. Feel the crowd cheering. Like you just like that. The first taste of that, and I was Your nipples like, are getting hard too. <laughs> but you know how it is, Mark. It's yes. different when oh, you're, yeah, when, you're in, yeah. when you're in the crowd and yes. you're watching a game. It's loud, but. but when you are in the middle, it's a totally different. Totally animal. different. And yep. everybody's yelling in your direction. And I was like, this is it. This is like, this is what this is, feels like. This is, yeah. the, it was the best feel. It was surreal. It's yep. one something that will always be dear to me. That first one's always a special one. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a fun fight. It's always fun when you win, too. Wow. There's, no, there's no doubt. Winning is uh, the essence of uh, kind of what we get in this sport. Yeah. Your sport, my sport, any sport that we uh, we get involved in. So tell me a little bit about the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, how did that initially come about? And I know that Sam was in there with you, and you uh, obviously yeah. you're uh, today being the March 9th, and your father passing away mm-hmm. the day after you actually made it to the mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of go over that again. Kind of the whole. How, how did you get there? You know, it and was why. Why did you want? Um, yeah, well, just explain what, what what you what you what was going through your mind as far as. Did you think that this was something you could do? Um, you know, the belief was there, essentially, from... I had a teammate, Cody McKenzie. He was a Spokane guy. And he was the first person from our team to make it on the Ultimate Fighter and into the UFC. And this is where manifestation becomes kind of a powerful thing. Cody came home with with gear, and he started giving everybody gear. And he gave me one of his shirts, one of his Ultimate Fighter t-shirts, and it had the logo across the front. Well, when you this win, is prior to you making prior it. Prior to me making it. And he's a local guy here. Local guy, yeah. So okay. when you win the show, they give you a glass plaque trophy. Yeah. And I remember I, he gave me that shirt, and I took it home that night. And I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and I had the shirt. I was holding it. I was looking at the logo. And I had and how shirt. old are you now? I'm 22, 20, okay. 22. Okay. Just looking at the shirt, and I start thinking, like, this is what the glass trophy is going to feel like i'm looking at the shirt like it's the glass trophy i'm looking at the logo and i'm like i just i just remember that moment like sitting on the edge of the bed like thinking about it and so the belief was there especially when you have somebody that i've trained with that was kicking my butt at the time but i've i've got to i've got to be with a guy that's made that into that process so um you know the getting there it was a tryout process um 700 people tried out. It was in Las Vegas. Did you know this because of he? Did he have the same route to get there as, as you did? The tryout process. Yeah, yeah. he did. Okay. And so uh, you go to you go to Las Vegas. They do a tryout process in a day, and they they cut. It's a three stage process, and with each stage they cut people. So the first stage is they make us wrestle, and then they cut people, and then the next stage is they have boxing coaches and they hold pads. And then we hit pads for for the matchmakers and the bosses, and then they'll cut people. And then the last stage is an interview. They do the interview, and then they send you home, and they don't tell you anything. They're like, good interview, see you later. So we get home, and we're just kind of waiting for a phone call. And sure enough, me and Sam both got the phone call. Give me a little insight on the interview. What what what, what do they ask you in that? I don't remember that one. I was really nervous. I mean, you went to Shadle. I went to Shadle. <laughs> it's not the Harvard of uh, Spokane. No, it, is. It, was, it, was, it was not. It was like a... 
it was kind of like a verbal assault more than an interview. Was this these producers, and he's just like, the guy's name's Craig. And I came in there, and he just kind of started just talking shit to me. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. He's like, you don't, you undefeated. Like, you look like a bum. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm like totally like blown back. You know, I'm like, fuck, all right. Yeah, I kind of do have long hair and a beard. Like, yeah, sure. sure. So I'm kind of like, I didn't do that well at the interview. I could okay. tell. Okay. And the funny thing is, but we, we, me and Sam get done with our interviews. He's like, I think I did good. I'm like, I think I did bad. And uh, I saw as we're leaving, they did this at the palace station. As I'm leaving the palace station, I saw that Craig guy in the cafe by himself. And I just broke off from Rick and Sam and like ran over to him. And I was like, hey, dude, like, I just want to tell you, like, <laughs> I didn't do good at the interview and I know it, but I just can tell you this. I know how to fight. And if you put me on this show, I'm going to win. You know, like I, I pled my case. Like I suck at interviews. Wow. Dude. And we still, to this day, we think, don't that, know if that maybe had an impact. We huh? think it did because what are the odds that two Spokane guys make it into a round of 32? Okay. Out of 700. 700 people. Yeah. Out of, well, let's, I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but it's probably, yeah, that's crazy odds. Right. So we, two, uh, 2%. So it's yeah. it's just crazy that two and a half percent maybe. So they flew us. They called us back and they flew us back for another interview process. And by then, I started to kind of get a little confident. And I remember the day. So they flew us back, me and Sam at the same time. And they're like, "Okay, guys, like we have medical tests, this and that. But the most important thing is this interview. This is the most important interview of your life. Like they literally tell you that. Like do not fuck this up." So I'm, I barely slept that night and Sam calls, I remember this, he didn't call my cell phone for some reason. He called my hotel phone. He calls the hotel phone. I answer. He's like, Hey dude, how you feeling? I'm like, pretty good. He's like, are you nervous? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty nervous. He's like, you want to go have a drink? I'm like, yeah, let's go have a drink. So this is early in the morning. Our interview is at like 10. So this is at eight. So we go down to the Irish bar in the palace station. We get pretty shit faced. We tied one on pretty good. So we go up and it, that was good. Honestly, I knew that's what I needed. I'm like, I'm so uptight. Like yeah. I've got, the, I've got an undefeated record. There's a bunch of guys with undefeated records. I got to show I got a little something else. Yeah. So Sam goes in, does his interview. He's the first one. We're the first two interviews of the day. He goes in, he's like in and out. We knew, I, we knew Sam was going to make it because he was like 10 and 0 with 10 knockouts. So they're like, you're fucking in, you're all action. So I go in there and they had this like big, like this, like I walk in, there's a big long table and then they had like a catering table to the side. I walk in, I see Craig and I just like, he says, come on and sit down. I turn away from him and I go start putting plate on my food. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? That's you not food on your plate. Yeah. And I sit down with my food and I like put my feet up on the table. And you're half cocked. And I just looked at him and he goes, get the fuck out of here. I go. I go, no, you flew me all the way out of the mountains of Washington, all the way here. And you're not going to ask me a question. Ask me some fucking questions. I started like getting, finally getting chirpy, getting chirpy back with the guy. And like, I knew it was good because the surrounding people were laughing. So, and it was, so him and I are like going back and forth and he's like, get the fuck out of this room. So he, I leave the room and Sam, he could hear me. So he's laughing. I get out there and sit there like, all right, sit here for a sec. And this guy, Gary DeFranco, he had an earpiece in. So after he's like staging us and after we sit in our seats, Gary's talking to us and all of a sudden he puts his finger on his ear. And then he, this is when we knew we got in because he had his finger on his ear and he's listening. And then he goes, guys, whatever you do while you're here in Las Vegas, do not do anything that's going to get you in trouble. Like he just like went from like talking to us, like pause for the earpiece. And he was like, Okay. You're both in? He, like, he didn't say we're in, but he's like, guys, it's imperative right now. When you leave here, 
do not get any fucking trouble. <laughs> Don't go out there and get hookers or anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, that was the moment we're like, dude, we did good. Like, I think that between me cornering the guy <laughs> the first time and me showing up half cocked, uh, half cocked, ready to rock. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> that. I think that was my shoe in. <laughs> Oh, so then, then essentially then, you know, the work's not done, you know, so we get the call back that we made the show. Um, and then that's, that's when it was like, you know, we, we were preparing, you know, we spent the whole time training, just waiting for that call. And, uh, that's when kind of, you know, it was tough. I, my dad was sick at the time and, uh, I had to leave before he passed and we, we knew, you know, like, I'm not, when I come home, you're not going to be here. Like we, we had to have that hard talk on March 1st the front door of the house like this is it you know i had to yeah. i had to turn and go my way he had to go his way and it, it was tough you know so i went in there with the with i had the confidence before that i could that i could pull this off yep but now i had like i had a purpose it was more than just a, it, it was more than a dream it was like i have a purpose like i got yeah. if i'm gonna if i'm gonna leave my dad and never see him again I I'm not coming home a loser. Like I just I refuse. You had you had that. I didn't I didn't have the skills that everybody else had, but I had. But you had that. I had more going on in here than any of those guys. So I think that's what led to things panning out the way they did. So he kind of just basically gave you your his apostolic blessing. He, he, he I wanted to stay home. I told him I I I. And I, he said, "You fucking stay home." I'll never you? forget this. He, uh, it's easy for me to talk about. It's uh, <clears throat> he was in ICU one day. And now, this what, is, now, excuse me, what, what did he pass from? He, it was a form of leukemia. He had very, aggra very aggressive cancer, but he got, he was in ICU. And this is after I knew I made the show. This is within the first week I found out I made the show. He, I get a call, he's in ICU, and it's like not looking good. So I race to the hospital. I go in the room and I sit down and I grab his hand. I'm like, hey, it's me. I'm, I was the first of the siblings that were there. Yeah, yeah. And before he could say anything, the first thing he said, because in my mind as I'm hearing this, I'm like, I can't go through with this. They, they call me. I know I'm in and I'm already battling this like, dude, this You're is ready. like my dreams yeah. and my nightmares are meeting head on. <clears throat> and the first thing he said to me is, you got to promise me no matter what happens, you are going through with your dreams. You are not, don't even think about it. It's like he read my mind. Yeah. It's like, don't even think about staying home. You, you've wow. got to promise me. So he, I, you, that's so a, you made a promise. That's to a, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go against my dying dad's wishes as much as I didn't want to. I could not. And I, th I think, you know, it's, he knew what's best. Your, yeah. your parents know what to say. And I hate to say it. There's yeah. not much you can do. No, I have, yeah, I have to I do mean, what he wants. And, and you were there for him when, you know, yeah. when he was in, before you left. Parent, my dad demanded respect. He's a, he's a man that demanded respect. And so that was one that of those instances. was like, uh, yeah. yeah. And I, honor him. Yeah. So I'm glad I did it. My family's glad I did it. Oh, it's the big guy upstairs. <laughs> Great name, by the way. Great name. Really good name. Yeah, awesome name. Um, when you're on the show, mm -hmm. was having your buddy Sam, Sammy there with you, was uh, did that make things a little easier? It did. It, we weren't on the same teams. We were separated. And so we didn't get to see – we got to see each other every day, but not – uh, you know, not as routine as we were used to, you know, we, it was like they would stagger our practices. And so there was a few rooms in the house we all stayed in. And we went to the big upstairs room where there was like nine beds. And it was me, Sam, and my our buddy, John Kofer, we met from Georgia. We met him through the tryout process. So Love those Southern there was too. like six beds on one wall and three beds on one wall. So we took the three beds over here. And I kept, I kept sleep eating. I would sleep eat these bag of M&Ms. 
And Sam, <laughs> Sam got fucking pissed off one night. It was like, quit fucking eating M&Ms. And I was like, they're not M&Ms. They're macadamia nuts. He's like, I don't give a shit. You're being loud. So from that point on, he slept outside the rest of the season. Sam, what? <laughs> he slept on the balcony. He literally like took all his stuff. There's like this one little balcony and he had a cool little pad. He had like little tables and he took like two. April, May, and June is pretty nice in yeah. Vegas. You know? Except there was one night. You know how windy Vegas gets? Oh, yes. There was one night the wind was howling. Howling uh -huh. so bad, and I, I was like worried about him. So I kept like waking <laughs> up, and I'd go check on him, and he would just be like burrowed underneath his blanket and like a ball. And I'm like, I know if I try to wake him up, he's not going to come inside. But I just kept waking up, check on him, make sure he's all right. But freaking wild man. <laughs> so let me ask you something. So you got 32 guys. Yeah. Now you just keep fighting till it's down to the final two. Is that how it goes? So we did. Or the, is there different weight groups? I mean, no. what? No. So some seasons they'll do two weight groups. Yep. Um, this season, they did one. It was 155. They picked 32 guys. And then the first episode, everybody fought. And the losers went home, and then the winners stayed. And the 16 that go on into the house stay the whole season. So it's not like a as you lose, you go home. Like, right. So now it's down to 16. Yeah. So you're you in and it. Sam are in the 16. Right? Yes. Yeah. So we're two of the 16, and it, which is just crazy odds. You know, it's like. I just seriously it's the never, odds are it's like never really, buy a lottery ticket. It's you know? never really happened. You never really hear about that on the Ultimate Fighter. Two guys from the same camp, let alone Nor do our media here in Spokane ever cover any of this. This could have been one of the best stories ever. It was lit and it was it's like it's one thing if it's two guys from a gym in Las Vegas where there's totally hundred pros in the I gym, but like we're two of the handful of pros in the city, you know. So it was cool to be able to like have us both make it. You know yeah. what I mean? To like, we, we, he was the guy that, like, as we're making our way up, and there's days I would kind of be unsure of the sure. future. He was always the guy that would just kind of slap you on the back, like, dude, we're going to make it. It's all good. It's all going to be easy. It's not even a big deal. So I'm like, God, you're so nonchalant. You make it easy to believe in, and sure enough, we ended up. So now you fight, you're fighting him. Was it the semis, quarters? So we never ended up fighting each oh, other. Oh, you didn't fight each no, other? No, no, okay. no, no. That okay. was like, they tried to actually, Sam's coach tried to get us to fight early on in the season. Uh -huh. And I was like, I fucking hated Dominic Cruz forever because of that. Cause I'm like, I've made it. There's 16 people from around the world and you're going to make me fight the guy that I train with every day that like, that's family to me. Like, come yeah, on. That's, that's, I'd rather that's, fight the Brazilian guys or the guys from all over. Like, I'm not here to fight my teammate. I'm here to fight the best in the world. Yeah. You know, he, and he is one of the best in the world, but I don't want to fight my no, teammate. Yeah. No, exactly. That, yeah. that, that's like, it would be like spiting yourself, you know? Exactly. So you have a career record of 11 and four in the UFC. Yep. Um, what are some of your most memorable fights? Um, most memorable fights, I would say. Um, you know, the last fight was special. Getting getting the main event win, um, that was really cool. Going to Abu Dhabi, headlining a card on ESPN, that was great. But I think the one that stands out most to me, Mark, is they used to do this thing called Fight for the Troops, and they did three Fight oh. for the Troops events, and all three times they did them in a different. Uh, Base. base on a base yeah so i did uh this was fort campbell in kentucky so they st they had to stay in nashville because uh, this base is like in the middle of nowhere <laughs> so we had to take a bus it's two hours to get there to the to the base and then two hours back and i fought i fought an army i fought an army ranger i fought colton smith who won the season of ultimate fighter after me so it's tough champ versus tough champ so it was a good good marketable wow, fight yeah absolutely um and it in this was a there was no fans allowed only people in the armed services so the whole crowd and it was pissing rain that day i remember it was pissing rain on the base and they had us warming up in little portable buildings 
Now, was and the fight outdoors or indoors? It was in a hangar. So it was like oh, okay. kind so of it was open, covered, but it was covered, but kind of open ended yep, on either yep. side. And it, I think it was like six to eight, I think it was 8,000 armed service members, just two bleachers on either side of the octagon, right? No fans. And everybody was in camouflage. And they, they did not, you would think that me, I thought I was going into enemy territory. Like, I'm going to go into like Brazil. You go to Brazil and the crowd chants against you. They say, ooh, vamos, hey. And that means you're going to die. They literally, oh, God, they chant, I would not want to fight a Brazilian jitsu. Jitsu. They, they chant, you're oh. going to die the whole time. So I'm thinking, I'm going into enemy territory. They probably got some army war cries they're going to hammer me with. No, they were so, they were just stoked to see fights. And it, it was the only time in my career where the crowd counted down from 10 every round. Every round. Oh, did they? For no, for no reason. All of a sudden, the, everybody got 10. Does that help you? I, I liked it, but it was just weird. Because how you end a round, a lot of times, has to do with how you, if you if or not you yeah. win a fight, because if it's a tight round, and you yeah. last 10 seconds, you catch him with a, a good one or take him to the ground, it, that helps you. So it was crazy. I've That's never had that happen. Really? They, everybody everyone was, was into it. So I, that one sticks out to me because it was cool. I You know, I... It's cool to give back to the people that protect our country and preserve our freedoms. It's like the least I could do. I would do it a hundred. I would do that every fight if I could. I would go fight on an army base every time if I could because it was just it was. Hey, it you was and, cool you and I are the same. Our our servicemen and women mean the world to us. They're our heroes. They're the ones that uh, allow us to do what we're able to do. You mm -hmm. know, and uh, so grateful for all of them. And hundred percent appreciate that. Okay, we talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, on July 7th, 2018, you missed weight <laughs> and fought the catch weight against yeah. uh, Anthony Pettis. And, yeah. and you lost a fight by submission. But yeah. after the fight, you decided, I think not after the fight, during the preparation, mm -hmm. you decided, fuck this. I'm just going to. I'm going to get to welterweight. I'm going to do this, but you know, I'm a little embarrassed. I think you mentioned earlier, yeah. and uh, and you haven't lost a fight since the move. Tell me a little bit about that, and uh, I think you kind of touch base on it, but just kind of, uh, you know, what what mentally went through your mind, you know. Um, it was. Uh, you don't learn from your wins. You know what I mean. You, yeah. can, you can go back and pick yourself apart, but it's it, there's a big difference when you lose. It's it's that's when you're the most critical of yourself, and the flaws become much more of a reality and. Um, you know, I, I there was a lot of things leading up to that camp that were pretty stressful and strenuous, um, and I'm not inclined to talk about them. Sure, um, it was the it was the whole. Oh, I know, I know, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep, so, no, uh, we don't need to go there. Yep. So then we, I start the camp, and I just realized halfway through the camp, I'm like, I just, I just, this sucks. I'm like, I'm not, I'm taking away, I'm not getting any better. I f camp as hard as it is, like you already are putting your body through the ringer, and I'm cutting all this weight. And so I decided halfway through that camp, I told my strength coach halfway through that camp during a warm-up, I was like, you know what, man, I'm I'm going to win this fight, and I'm going up a weight class. I'm just done. And it's and at that point, it's not like I quit trying to make weight. I actually it was on track. Everything was going good with the weight cut. That's probably why I was so miserable is because my weight was getting close. And uh, my last sparring session, I kicked my teammate right in the elbow and broke my foot. In a big part of a weight because it's a, it requires a lot of running and uh, oh, so you couldn't? Yeah, so I broke my foot ten days, ten or twelve days before the fight. Kick, kick my teammate right in the elbow, and I broke, uh, <sighs> I broke the uh, on my my middle, not my not my big toe, but the other knuckle, the metatarsal, the, the metatarsal. Yeah, yeah, broke it instantly. I felt my shin pad start to come up, and uh, so that put me out of any. Anything that involved too much moving, and this is like the most critical time of the cut, is the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, yeah. I gave it the I gave it hell, dude. I I I thought that when I committed to with to the fight, I knew the weight cut was going to be the hardest cut of my life, and 
I, I, I halfway through the process, I, I literally thought I was going to die. I'm not exaggerating. I remember I, I tried cutting weight for 11 hours in, in 11 hours in chewing bubble gum, spitting 11 hours in, in 11 hours of sweating, 11 hours of sitting in a hot bath, sitting in plastic wraps. Did you ever think of liposuction at that time? <sighs> I thought I was about to take any, any route to any route to get it done. I, so I, what did you weigh in at? And I think I weighed in a pound and a half over pound. Seriously, and, a pound and freaking half. You know, I, I was so done by then. I, I had to peel my lips off my teeth to talk. I was like, I've never dehydrated. I, I mean, you could probably pull the picture up. I have a, I did a, I did a, when I made my first weigh in for 170. I, I did a, I like compared the pictures. I'm like, this is what I look like now. This is what I look like when I missed weight. My skin almost looks see-through. Like I, I, I really, that extra pound and a half, I think would have killed me. I so, think it, so when, when that happens, so mm-hmm. now you, you, the catch weight is you have to move up. A, a, so but you're still a frail. I was, I was not, I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't going to win that fight. I just knew, okay. it's like I knew before, like I missed weight. And once I broke my foot and made the choice to, to go through with the fight, I'm leaning on like my toughness. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm just you know, going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is, this is when I shine is when the chips are stacked against me. And I'm like, God, I, my, my strength became my weakness that fight. And, uh, so yeah, so they didn't force me to go up a weight class. I took a penalty. I lost like 30% of my purse, which is a big hit. They, yeah, they don't fuck around. So I took the hit for financially. Jeez. And I said, I stepped on the scale that day, and I said, I'm. I did like a throw. That's it. I was like, I'm. I'm done at 155, going up weight class, and then I lost. And then that was the best thing I did is because that summer I went home, I pouted for about a month, and then my strength lost a fight. No, and that could be, you know, and I, I knew the first fight I was unsure, and then once I got through that first fight with Carlos Condit, I was like, all right. This is this is a different kind of feeling. This is how fighting's supposed to feel. And you you feel great since yeah. When you cut a bunch of weight, the last thing that would, so when you rehydrate, the last thing to get water is your brain. So oh, that's shit. so you you get to a fight and you're just in a fog. Like you're just I can't explain it. It's like you you, you, can't, you can't you can't science can explain you, you can't think like yeah. it can't I, like the way I fight now. I can I can think things. I can see things coming. I can process them. I can move. I can make adjustments. I can think on the fly. We're like at one fifty five. I cannot do that. I just get in there. I'm like, all right, we're just going pedal to the metal, and hope for the best. Like there's this a this is a one track train. You know what yeah. I mean? And now instead of being a one track train, I feel like I can be more. I can maneuver like a fighter pilot. I can move my head. I can move my body. I can make better reads. You fight with Diego Sanchez. That's a huge win, and you dedicated your victory to the memory of your friend and uh, local family here is just known for for climbing Mount Everest, the Ross Kelly family. And, yeah. and Jess was a, a, obviously a friend of yours. And yeah. You dedicated that fight to him. And um, talk about that. Yeah, that was um, – Jess passing was tough for everybody. He's a guy that he, – he, he impacted a lot of lives. He was uh, – a guy had – he had an aura of – you could just tell you somebody special. You know what I mean? And, and he made a big impact on my life because it's not – it's hard to run into like-minded people. He – we very much – we – we were so passionate about what, what we do yeah. that I that I can't relate that to a lot of people. You know what I mean? That's not a shot at anybody. I'm not trying no. to make I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm better than anybody. No. That's not what it is. But you know what it's like when it's like you you you've accomplished a lot of great things. But that's because you have a certain mindset that not a lot of people have. And so with with Jess, it's like while we don't have the the common interest in what we're doing, it's the passion and like yeah. I. I could we could speak a certain language that not a lot of people can translate. 
so it was always special to be around him and um you know it and it was it was a really hard it's hard when you lose a friend it's hard when you lose family but in hindsight when you look at it like the man got to die doing what he loved if he could ch have chose it this is this would have been the way for him you know i just don't think he, I, if he was up to him i think he'd like to be here still but um there's no doubt i actually went the that year 2019 um i went to banff because he, he he died at, at uh warner peak in banff alberta yeah. So that winter, when, when the right when they exactly opened the ski resorts, yep. me and my buddy Ryan Ryan King, we drove up, drove up, yeah, just to go see it. I was like, I want to go see this peak, you know. And we couldn't get on it, obviously, but sure. we got to drive, and I got a good view of it, and I just wanted to go, kind of pay my respects to the man, and uh, you know, it felt fitting to honor him and the Ross Kelly family. And uh, John's a heck of a guy too. His dad, well, his, his dad's, dad's climbed cool. fucking Mount Everest. His I mean. dad's climbed K two, which is like I. Because of the Roskellies, I've like dove into a lot of YouTube rabbit holes, re well, like watching yeah, about I, these mountains. Well, they're amazing. They're amazing yeah. human beings. Yeah. For one, um, did did you do any training with Jess? I did not. I know Sam did. Sam is the one that introduced me to Jess. So they would climb together all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's I met Jess through Sam. Um, but yeah, they they would do a lot of climbing together and stuff. And I just wish I would I should have took him up on that damn oh. offer to go climb. I kick myself every day. Uh, I just love that because the dopamine level of of of, of mountain climbers and and guys at your level and mm -hmm. uh, is is amazing. You know, because to get yourself ready, um, my my little nephew Rick uh, Rippin, who was a hockey player and 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 committed suicide about seven eight years ago, and had that same passion for being in the outdoors and climbing mountains and. There's a uh, every every year uh, up to like the last five years they had a the Grouse Mountain climb which was in Vancouver yeah and each each uh, Vancouver Canuck had to do the Grouse Mountain Run yeah and the record at the time for the Grouse Mountain Run was 42 minutes Rick ran it himself in 35 minutes wow since then the last five years they've actually had now two guys you know two hockey players two Vancouver Canucks run the mountain because it's such a a strenuous uh, run or climb or whatever. And the record, they still haven't even broke Rick's record in 35 minutes, two, where someone's waiting halfway there and, and passing the torch on to the rest. So wow. it's uh, pretty amazing, you know, that um, that the dedication, I think, and, and, and the Ross Kelly family has been here in Spokane for such a long time. It's been a great, great uh, for our city. Yeah, they and just did a monument for him, I think. In somewhere down the riverfront park, I think they did a Jess Roskelly monument. Some type of little, as little climbing yeah, rock I mean, type of been, thing. Been an icon. Their family's been an icon. And, and I'm so sorry for yeah. for your loss and, and dedicating uh, that fight, obviously, and then going up there and honoring your friend. And, yeah. And um, that's uh, pretty cool. Um, let's get into just a little bit uh, here before we end, a little bit of your the health questions and <laughs> the the MMA. How's it taking a toll on your body and where are you at right now physically and and um and mentally? Physically I'm good. Um you know this 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 any type of contact sport profession is gonna come with it's gonna come at a price. And um you know my body I've had not not you know knock on wood thank God we got a wood table here. Um I've had a few surgeries, I've had a few injuries from the sport. Um and, you know, health-wise, I feel good. The biggest thing for me now is, and we touched on this a little bit before, before the show, is um, yeah. I'm right now, I, I started at a time when, you know, 
cutting your teeth in this sport was a lot of trial by fire. Sure. A lot of, a lot of continuous hard sparring all the time over the top. Amazing how it's transitioned. Taking a lot of headshots. And that's when you first started to where it's at now. mm -hmm. And, and I don't feel, you know, too many residual effects from that uh, at this point, but now, you know, especially in the last three years, I don't, I, I'm all about preserving my noodle. I'm all about like, I get one of these and I'm trying to do the best I can. Um, because at this point in time now, the fights that I'm going to have going forward are there, I'm going to probably have to leave a little bit of myself out there to win them. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. But in the same sense, I don't feel like I'll pay the price in the long term from that because of how I train now. And I'm, 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 I'm very big on no contact. When it comes to a training camp, like we were talking about earlier, I only spar one day a week and I only get to spar three rounds when I'm in training camp and I won't spar unless I'm in camp. I'll do, I'll do mitts. I'll do drills. I'll do, you know, touch sparring and stuff like that. But I, so in an eight week training camp, I only get to spar eight times. I get essentially that's what 24 rounds and our, our brain needs to heal. Exactly. And, and at this point I have to trust my skills. If I, I, so you get your confidence from your sparring, but it's like, I've been doing this sport for 13 years. I don't have it figured out all the way yet. The, the martial arts journey is an endless one. Mm-hmm. It's like golf. You can never, you can never <laughs> master golf. No, no it's, it's, it's the same thing as this sport. <laughs> but I, at this point, I know I can fight. So I just, it's more about honing my skills than it is the, the contact and stuff. So do you think you've had a perfect fight yet? A fight that you just look on, on when you go in and mm. you just kind of envision this as being what you wanted and how you wanted to do it? Yeah, I have, I've had a couple. I've had a couple where um, the the tough finale was one where I kind of just had it in my mind that I was going to get a first-round submission. I just I, I kind of something – I had it's just a weird in, inclination. Um, but most of the time, I'm fucking dissecting myself. I'm my own worst critic. Nobody <laughs> can criticize me worse than me, not even the crazy Russian fans I was telling you about before. But, <laughs> but I, I, I'm pretty hard on myself. I was very – this last fight – was probably the most proud of myself after a fight I've been because the short notice main event, you know, going all five rounds for the first time, having to battle fatigue. I was, whoo, I tell you what, <laughs> I got done with the fight and it was clear that I won. And Rick's like, come on, stand up, try and act like a winner. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. I'm, I'm, spent. I'm barbecued. Yeah. <laughs> but I was pretty proud of myself for that. I think that that's, that was, the first UFC fight in a long time that I was proud of myself afterwards. So That's great. now what's, what's your dream fight? Is there someone out there? You just can't <sighs> fucking stand that you hate Fuck. that you'd like to get in the octagon with and say, I want this son of a gun and I want him now. I want him yesterday. Colby Covington. Colby. Covington. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's, oh, <laughs> you had an answer yeah, me while I was talking. I, I just, as a competitor, I think he's 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 a good fighter. He's yep. he's darn good. He could he's one of my toughest matchups in the weight class. And uh, you know I've I've made a I'm not a big trash talker. You know, and that's kind of right. what his, that's what that's his, his game. That's what his, that's game. his game. I mean, but you, you he's, see it on he's TV. disrespectful to religion. He's disrespectful to people, and I just can't handle it. You know, he goes to Brazil. He won a fight in Brazil this one time against Damian Maya. And he gets on the microphone afterwards and is like, Brazil, this place is a fucking dump. Like, starts, I'm like, dude, you deserve to get your ass kicked. Like, if, like, that's, I just, I'm not into the disrespect. You know yeah, what I mean? It's one and thing at weigh ins where you talk some smack, chipping at each other and stuff. But this guy will take shots at your family, at religion, at, 
like females like he's 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 just he's downright not, not a good a, man and people will say like you know when the cameras are off he's a different guy it's like well i don't care you you offended like people of the muslim religion and stuff like that like you should you can't do that but it the thing is you the guy can fight <laughs> so everybody's like this dude deserves an ass beat but he can go out and fight so, so there's a back it up i, I there's a, he can back it up but i still i That's just a guy huh? there's he's crossed he's crossed the line is it there's people that can do that naturally like connor connor is naturally a brash trash talker and it's yeah. kind of funny like everybody kind of gets a laugh off of it but when colby talks trash it's like you are taking shots at people's yeah, they're, very they're personal issues. Very personal issues. Yeah, and I'd like to kick his ass. He's from yeah. Oregon. He's an Oregon guy. So I'm like, let's find out who's the toughest welterweight in the Northwest. Yeah, Me and Colby, we got to do it. Yeah, I don't want to talk politics, but Oregon, <laughs> Oregon and Washington, our governors need a little, little tune up, little tune up. <laughs> Maybe you guys, you could go take Inslee, and he could go take uh, whatever that gal's name is down yeah, there. They job. got their heads so far. Yeah, in their yeah. Ass. <laughs> Yeah, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, you know, what would you what would you tell yourself? Buckle up. <laughs> You're in for a wild <laughs> ride. Uh, I don't even know. I think I wouldn't want to spoil anything. I would I, I when I was 18 years old, I was sitting in the basement of my dad's house with my ex-girlfriend watching the second season Ultimate Fighter, telling her, "Really? I'm going to yeah, Jessie Bollet, she'd vouch for me on this. She's gotten married and has a different last name now. Oh, that's great. She'll vouch for me. I we we were sitting in my parents' basement and I said, well, "I'm going to go on this show one day and I'm going to win it." So I wouldn't want to go back in time and spoil it, but I would just go back in time and just tell 18 year old me, like, buckle up, dude. You're in for a wild ride these next uh, 13 years. It's going to be downs. There's going to be ups, but just... Well, you know, that's the one thing about um, our our brains and, and ourselves is the oscillation that we have is yeah. if you flatline here and you just kind of get comfortable, you're you're not really living. No, you know? not at all. And uh, I always remember Lou Holtz saying great things, especially what run... Well, in this pandemic, don't keep me alive by keeping me from living, you know. Yeah. And I think it's so true, and, and, and I think that you have a, a great outlook. And um, if uh, if you were to tell someone that wants to get into the sport of uh, ultimate fighting, and um, what one piece of advice would you give them? Um, be the hardest worker in the room. That's usually, uh, in, in this sport, you see a lot of talented people. In, but those are the people that I've seen fizzle out the fastest or get, you know, start to have some success and have it become their biggest demon. So I always say just be be humble and be the hardest worker in the room. Those are the people that go on to do the greatest things. You'll always hear the guys that are the champions are always yeah. the ones that are the guys that are first to show up, the last to leave. And I could even do some of those things better myself, but I still work pretty damn hard. But right. I always would I would just tell somebody, be be humble and be the hardest worker in the room. That's you know, and even if you don't get to the top, you, you develop a really good work ethic, and that'll co that'll carry you very far. In sure, yeah. sure. I think that's yeah. I think that's. Um, I've always uh, admired. Like, like I say, I wish myself if I could talk to myself, that'd be the same thing. I mean, I loved the the um, uh, the X's and O's of my sport. Yeah, you know, I just wish I would have trained more. Yeah, and also, I think one of the greatest coolest things that i've keep telling people is our owner jack kent cook had deals with um marriott enterprise you know marriott hotels and united airlines a lot of people don't know this every wednesday thursday and friday our team was fed and if you're a strength coach and a trainer you'd be going you got to be freaking kidding me we won three <laughs> world championships every wednesday thursday and friday 
Double quarter pounders with cheese, <laughs> French fries, and apple pies. Shit. <laughs> How would your trainer think that? Oh, <laughs> man. The scale. Yeah, well, he, the trainer, I don't know. I could keep it away from him, but the scale. The scale. scale the scale knows yeah. all well, just my the shit you're throwing into your body. But the anyways, scale knows all my secrets. That's, that's impressive, man. Yeah. So that's. It's, it's, but you know what? You you achieved a lot of great things, and obviously you were doing some a, things right. And it, it, it even a different era, you know? It is. And, and you can still look back. And you had a great career, and you got to experience a lot of good things, and it's it's for both of us. You <laughs> I know? know it's just a, but I, I just I just think back, going, man, if I really would have been like Tom Brady, you know, back in the day, and just kind of figured, because you know, I mean, him and I were kind of similar, six round draft picks. He was a skinny guy that just, you know, didn't couldn't run fast, couldn't throw it far. I mean, I could at least throw it further than he could, but I mean, the guy's just amazing, and and what he's done off the field has made him, I think, have or more more, more so the player now than. Than he ever was. Do you think that that was your strength? Not to, not to interrupt you, but do you think that you you said that you wish you would have trained harder, but you liked the X's and O's? Do you think that you excelled in terms of like like the X's and O's, like reading oh. the plays? Do you think that that's what led that's, you to that, have the that success? Allowed, that, you that allowed me to have a lot of the success. You know, yeah. I mean, the, my my diligence and film work and and knowing our opponent down in distances uh, situation on football was ahead. I wouldn't say ahead, but it was. As good then as maybe a Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning lacks some some skills that uh, you know uh, other great quarterbacks had, but he was so good X's and O's. So there's a there's a nice little mix there, you know, of the two. That's good to hear though, because that's something that I should do better myself. I'm well, not a big I'm not a big film study guy. Well, I think that that you know I mean just to, uh, you you know going in someone yeah. is great at submiss, submiss, submissions. Mm -hmm. You don't want to probably get on the ground with them. Yeah. Even though maybe you do want to get on the ground because that's one of your strengths. So yeah. It's one of those, you know, catch-22 situations where true. I think if you did more film work on yeah. your opponent, that might just be an added edge of all the things that you do very well now just Thank to you. make you better. Um, so what's next for you? I know that um, we talked a little bit about it, and I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, you don't have a fight. You know, we talked uh, that you don't, you're, you're not, you don't have anything on the schedule right now. Mm. But you're doing some amazing things with uh, with broadcasting. I, yeah. I think you, you you do a great job, by the way. I, I listen Thank to you, and I think you're incredible. Talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah. So in terms of just what's what's ahead right now, I got a. Uh, I'm leaving uh, this weekend. I got to go to Vegas. Got to corner a teammate next weekend in Abu Dhabi, commentating a show at the end of the month in uh, Oklahoma. So my schedule is pretty packed right now. A little too packed to take a fight. So I'm hoping by mid-April um, I can get a fight on the schedule. Somebody in the top five. Um, but in the meantime, I've really been enjoying the broadcasting thing. That's been a, a goal of mine since I got in the UFC. Is I I don't want to just be a champion. I want to I want to I want to take advantage of as much as I can under this umbrella. So I I pushed real hard for a long time to to get an audition and and um, so they got me in the rotation to do the analyst work. And uh, I'm just trying to work my way up into commentary. I want to be, yeah, I, I don't have, I was telling you this earlier. I don't have a child. My, 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 my child is my sport. I just like, this is what yeah. my life revolves around. It's your passion, so, yeah. so I could be, I can, I can handle both things. I could be a commentator and I could fight. I, 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 my, one of my biggest idols is Daniel Cormier and he did, he held two titles and commentated yep. at the same time. So I'm just trying to be like him and it's 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 fun, man. It's something that down the road I think it'll benefit me. And uh, speaking of those Hall of Famers, do you get like an Aussie and a Chuck Liddell or Cormier or or um, uh, Silva? Do you, do you do you are you in awe of these guys when you see them around? I I am a I'm a fan first before I'm a fighter. I'm a fanboy big sure. time. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I work I work with DC a lot, Daniel, and uh, I still some every time he does I a great job, every time I see him walking through, I still yeah. get a little shock value because it's like you know, I watched Daniel Cormier do real pro wrestling when I was in high school. I bought the same wrestling shoes as him my senior year, and now I'm working next to him. So some, sometimes I got to pinch cool. myself, but yeah, yeah, and then uh, and same with Chuck. You know, Chuck Chuck's a personal friend of mine at this point, and uh, it's just. Uh, one of my favorite snowboarders has a great quote, and he says, if you put everything you have into it, before you know it, you'll meet your heroes. And I, essentially, I, I, that's how it's panned out. I'm talking yeah. to you. I've met Chuck. I've met DC. Like, I've, through, the, for the labor, through, through, through my labor of love and my pursuit of passion, I've got to meet my heroes and sit and talk to them face-to-face like I'm talking to you now. So it's, <laughs> it's well, crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's because you've also, you've also made your, your own path, and, mm-hmm. and you've done an amazing job. I think... Um, the uh, uh, the cool thing about about you know what you're doing and how you're doing it and and being a Highlander and mm-hmm. you're much different than most of us Highlanders. You you do have a face for television. Thank you. You know I have a face for radio and <laughs> until someone t- makes me look like a Picasso. Well, yes, but that's, yeah, side. that happens in your sport. Yeah. They, they, whoever did your your readjustment of your nose has done a pretty good job. Yeah. So now. Talk about you know what we'd like to plug. I mean, that's kind of one things that we want to do here is 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 plug what you got going on. Um, you know where we can find you online. If there's anything you'd you'd like us to talk about, please please yeah, use that platform um, right now. Just uh, follow my social media. All my social media is at MikeMav22. And uh, in terms of just people, I want to thank you know I just want to thank my family, my friends, the city of Spokane. This city's been like so good to me. I mean, it's. Uh, you go around the world and see a lot of places and you realize how lucky we have it here. Cause we have a good community. We take yeah. care of each other. So absolutely, I have nobody to plug, but the city and, um, check me on my social media. I have a UFC podcast, UFC roundup. If you're bored, check it out oh, after you're done with this I one. Do. If you, if you want a solid, like four hours of dealing with me, which most people wouldn't, you could throw an extra hour on there by watching UFC roundup, but it's good to be talking to you, Mark. Uh, like I said, life comes full circle. I went from shaking your hand at assumptions, and now I'm sitting across the table from now, you having now, a podcast. So it's now, what we show. need to do is we need to uh, get you to to fight for that title. I'm, hoist, I'm on my way. Hoist that uh, hoist that belt up, and you know, get some of your stuff in the in the halls of of Shadow Park High School. Yeah, I always you, say there's a, you've, you've earned it. There's you're right a lot above of, the wrestling room. If you walk into Shadow Park, yes. Mark Rippin's pictures right above the. Bench. And I never wrestled a fucking day in my life. <laughs> well, you earned that spot. So if you if I could have a little picture, oh just no, we're next gonna to get you. a big picture. <laughs> just for right you. next to you, that'd be sweet. <laughs> Michael Kiesa, I just want to say thank you very much thank for joining you. us today. MVP talks with the Rip, Michael Kiesa. Thank, thank you, sir. It's a pleasure. Cheers. Cheers, brother.